melting like a snow cone in Phoenix, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Mrs. Doubtfire Week here on We Read the Book. I'm Adam Heap. I'm Lois Mitchell. And we're joined today by our overseas friend Regan from Mystery Twins Detective Agency. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be sick. Uh, Regan might not do a lot of talking today because she's hella sick. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've got the tonsillitis. I was just realizing the floor and being like, hey, tell me more about your disease that makes it hard for you to talk a lot. <laughs> Ah, no, it's fine. I've got a cup of tea. I've got a lot of painkillers. I hosted my very first burlesque show uh, with not tonsillitis, but definitely very little voice and still insisted on singing. So (laughs) this is nothing. Yeah. Wonderful. I was about to say, aren't we mean for making you do the show? But it sounds like you'd make yourself do that anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Okie dokie. So our question of the week this week. Obviously, we're talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, but our question of the week's going to be a little different this week. We're just going to go for a straight-up recast uh, in the title role of Mrs. Doubtfire. Now, obviously, this is played by the amazing Robin Williams. Uh, rest in peace. We are very, very sad to have lost him. But uh, who would you recast as Mrs. Doubtfire uh, from, today, from like the current crop of actors and or actresses if you would like to flip the, the role around? What, like, so it's the mum... And she's Mr. Doubtfire. Yes, Mr. Doubtfire. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way either. I'm going to cut everyone off now. You cannot say The Rock. (laughs) The Rock cannot be the answer to every question on this podcast. (laughs) And yet. Why? It's such a good answer, though. (laughs) It would... I must admit, he would be a good Mrs. Doubtfire. He'd be he excellent would. Mrs. Doubtfire. But I'm going to ban you from saying it because I want you <laughs> no, to come up with something creative. My one answer. Well, I think it's interesting to consider the um, Mr. Doubtfire idea. I'm thinking like a... Do you want me to jump in while you're thinking? Yeah, I'm going to Google someone. Emma Thompson. Oh, that's who I was thinking of. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's so good, and that's what I was going to say. Uh, well, that's no, like obviously a perfect choice no. if we both thought of it. Wow, that's such a good – I would not have even thought of that. That's an amazing choice. I mean, she's kind of done a similar sort of nanny thing in, in Nanny McPhee. Yeah. But not yeah. a drag king nanny. Not a drag no. king nanny. Oh, my God, it would be so good. All right, well, I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett then. Oh, Ooh. also a fucking good choice. That's unorthodox. Yeah. Like, she's not known for being a comedian, but, like, I think... I Also, yeah, I think if you brought in some of the more difficult things the book addresses, then you could definitely have a... Like, if you maybe had the movie be more for adults than for children... I'm going to throw something at you. Melissa McCarthy. Oh, Oh, yeah. A bit more more of a comedic comedic presence, but, but... Or Kristen Wiig. Yeah, like there's a lot of that that group. Kate of like McKinnon. Like the, yeah, like the oh. Kate McKinnon would be good, but she's young. She's really young. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Lots of good choices there. Yeah. I want to see Mr. Doubtfire. Now. I want to see Mr. Doubtfire. I was now. reading in the in the yeah because I haven't even considered that. That's awesome. In my research for this, I was looking and there were, there were so many attempts to try and get a sequel together and they just couldn't do it. And by the time that they had a script that uh, Robin Williams potentially liked, it was 2014, and he passed away later that year, unfortunately. Oh, that's- so. Horrible. Um, okay, cool. There's some good choices there. Uh, let's get into Mrs. Doubtfire. So we're looking at the 1993 Chris Columbus-directed film uh, based off the 1987 and Fine novel, alias Madame Doubtfire if you live in the United States, Madame Doubtfire if you live anywhere else in the world. Why did Americans have to add oh, names they, they love that stuff. to titles? <laughs> this is an interesting one because I think this is kind of like similar to Die Hard in the same way that people don't expect this movie to have come from a book. 
Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. the movie is so famous. Yeah. We're, so we're going to take our votes on whether we prefer the book or the film. And I'm going to throw it to you, Regan. Uh, film. Film. Yep. Any, any reason behind those choices? I don't think it's entirely just nostalgia for the film, but I just feel like everyone's way shittier in the book. Yeah, agreed. I think the parents are irredeemable in the book. They Like, honestly, the book really upset me at points. They, yeah, and they I was are, like, this they is a book for children. Yeah. Why is this allowed? It reminded me of Roald Dahl and not just in the fact that the version I had was probably illustrated by uh, Quentin Blake, uh, but... I think in the, it, it portrayed stuff that I thought was very real world in a way that's not like pan, pandering to kids. Like it was like, man, this is because some people are like that. Some people I are guess. terrible people, especially when they're divorcing. But they were in a book, in, in a novel where you need to be able to, especially for the protagonist, who is Daniel. He was way, way more of a jerk than he is in the film. I guess I didn't find them consistently like real people. So in spe- we can talk about this in a minute, but in the specific case of Daniel, something that he would do that really upset me was miming violence towards his wife in front of his children. I mean, and like then to me, actual that's- violence to his children. Yeah, he actually was violent with his children at one point. But it's not just that because, you know, hero's journey and everything, like he has to overcome that and he, he realised he was being terrible, but – when the kids would start crying or saying to him, Dad, don't do that or whatever, he would have a moment of being like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, it's terrible of me, I won't do it again. And then he would just do it again in the next page, whereas I would have found it more believable if he was like, oh, your kids don't know what you're talking about. And then to, and then over the book we saw him realise what, what his behaviour was doing to them. But it was like on every page he would have the realisation and then just drop it again. Yeah. So that's, I guess, what bothered me. That's not satisfying long term. None, none of the, none of the realisations that happened at the end of the book felt real to me because there was no journey No, I to feel them. like his, um, it just seemed like a really hard 180 at the end of the book when he's suddenly like, oh, no, I need to clean up my life and my house and everything. Exactly. It was like literally he went home from having an argument and then everything was fine. And that emotional journey was much smoother in the movie. Yeah. Especially yes. because he didn't start off as much of a jerk. Yeah. I think they, they toned down the the jerk and they, they brought up the – they raised the irresponsible. Yeah. They, they just made it a – they managed to show a divorce where – Two people had fallen out and they were very different people and and it was no one's fault. I, I appreciate that it's a, like not a sugar-coated view of divorce, but at the same time, like it's just, I mean, obviously my parents aren't divorced, so I don't know what it's like, but I imagine if you're reading that, then it sort of like normalizes the fact that your parents are shit-talking each other to you because the kids get upset by it, but it still continues to happen until the very last, like, ten pages. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Which I don't think is particularly healthy. Yep. Yeah. In case it wasn't obvious, like, I'm also uh, the third vote for the film, so it's a clean sweep. Uh, we also yes. have to discuss whether we think it's a good adaptation. And this, I think, we, we've kind of been discussing along those lines, but this is a little trickier question. Uh, Lois? Yeah, I think it's a fairly faithful adaptation. Um, the big change is this book was written by a British person and set in England and the movie set in San Francisco. Is that yeah, right? They did look at a couple of cities, but that was the one they settled on. Yeah. And I love the the San Francisco hills. They're so yeah. gorgeous. 
Yeah, I think it's a fairly faithful adaptation. I don't really see that there's that much different in it. Um, just the, I think, I think it was a very skilled screenwriter who took this text and turned it into the movie that, God, I probably watched 15 times, 16 times, like, just over and over when I was a kid. And you're not on your own. Like, this movie is, I think it's, it's almost got that cult status around yeah. it. And it's on, like, TV all the time. Yeah. And just, like, little moments, like the moment where, uh, is it the wife comes in and, or someone comes into his apartment and Mrs. Doubt, he's dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire but doesn't have any makeup on. Yeah. And he sticks his face in the frosting. Like, yes. that's such an iconic moment. That's and such an iconic Robin Williams moment yeah. that everyone knows. And, like... The breast catching fire as well. Yeah. And them out. Like, yeah. everyone knows that scene. My favourite image from the film is him giving the middle finger as Mrs. Doubtfire once uh, Stu has left. Yeah. Um, or, like, even, the, you know, the whole scene in the restaurant, which doesn't happen in the, the book. Like, it's just so iconic. Do you mean the Williams. scene where he tries to murder Stu? Because that's yeah, what happens. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> it is. Bit. It is genuinely attempted murder. So, Regan, uh, what do you think? Good adaptation? I think whether it's a good adaptation and whether it's a faithful adaptation are different questions. Okay, like, okay. Just explain. I think it's a good adaptation, um, and I think that's because the film takes out a lot of the stuff that I hated in the book, <laughs> like toning down how awful everyone is. Um, yeah. But because of that, I don't know if it's necessarily the most faithful adaptation. I feel like if it's a faithful adaptation, you should feel sort of equally about the book and the movie. You know what I mean? Not that I can yeah. think of a single yeah. book and movie I feel like that about, but. Well, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like if this had been a faithful adaptation, I wouldn't like the movie basically. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. And we so wouldn't have all watched the movie so many times. Yeah. So I, this is a case where I'm glad that I actually prefer the movie because the movie's kind of a text of its own. But it's still a good adaptation because it still hits all the beats. Yeah, I think I, I yeah. think you put it best in saying that the screenwriter did a good job with this in yeah. turning it into a film. There's one part very late on in the film at which I was, which might have changed my opinion on this had the movie gone a different way. But we'll discuss that when we get there. I think, it, yeah, I think it's a good adaptation. I think I really, I mean, there's not too much that you guys have said that I would disagree with, and there's not too much you haven't said that I would. I like that there are parts directly from the book. There's lines from the book that make it into the film that I always enjoy that uh, uh, in the transition. So it's it shows that the screenwriters aren't just taking the concept of a book and turning it into a movie, which we have seen of happen yeah. a few times. Uh, to me, to me, the casting makes this a good adaptation because I think yeah. Robin Williams is so. I think everyone in the film yeah. is really good. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, I should. He's not the only one. I yeah. think he's the one who gets remembered because he is the title character. Yeah. And, also and Mara Wilson. so funny in the role. Yeah, also Mara Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, let's jump into talking about the cast then. Um, Ron Williams. Yeah. Is, is there much that we cannot say much that hasn't already been said? He was, this was, he was the most praised part of the film by a lot of the critics. Uh, even the ones who thought that the film itself was only kind of middling thought that he turned in an incredible performance. It's the role and the script, I think, very importantly suit him. There was one part very early on where he's seeing the the job agency person and he's like, he's like, I do voices. And then he proceeds to do a montage of like 20 voices. And I was like, yeah, okay, you clearly just wrote this so he could have a bit. Yeah. But I think that is well outweighed by the emotional core of the film where he is so, so strong because he 
works well. It, it's just so multi-layered. Like he, as Mrs. Doubtfire, he, you can tell he's acting well as an actor playing Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Um, in a, you know, an, so actors playing actors is, is a bit of a strange yeah. concept. But then he's also really, you can, you can see the emotion that he had. He, I felt so genuinely that he wanted to be with these kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing about Rob Williams that people don't necessarily remember is that it wasn't just about the funny roles. He could really lend himself to emotional roles. Like, you know, as he got older, he would play a lot in a lot of thrillers um, because comedians quite often have that ability to also play those really sad roles and scary or whatever because as a comedian, they're looking into what makes people tick and their people's emotional insights, they're picking out other stuff about people so they can actually tap into being really sad and stuff as well. So I think that was, like, one of his big strengths. Robin Williams' movies were just, like, my childhood. I watched this. I watched Jack. Did you guys watch Jack? Yep. The one, the one where he ages really fast. No. And he's, like, a, a 10-year-old in a 40-year-old man's body. No, I have not seen that. Oh, my God, I can you imagine should. it. It's really good. I feel like we'll get off track if we keep talking about his other movies. So yeah, let's we'll just get back yeah. on. We've also got Sally Field as Miranda Hillard. She's one of those people who I see her face and I'm like, who is that? And then I read her name. I'm like, oh, it's Sally Field. Wasn't she like the mum in like every 90s movie? Pretty I was much. literally about to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the mum. Yeah. yeah. She kind she of is. like put upon harassed mum. She probably had a longer storied career before we all were children and knew her as the mum in all the movies, but... Yeah. I mean, I know we're joking around about her here, but she's also a, a pretty important part of this film as in terms of, you know, being the... She has to make believable a serious conflict with, with Ron Williams' character. Yeah, and also make believable that an adult wouldn't pick up that it's, like, a man versus yep. a woman. Which I think they do better here in the film than they do in the book. Hmm. In the book, I'm like, yeah. it, it's so obvious that you wouldn't know this is him yeah yeah i really think the addition of like well he's an actor so he has contacts of people who do stage makeup that's believable and it's it shows you exactly how he transforms as opposed to just putting on women's clothes yeah 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 i i mean i think i think sally field does a good job in this role i think she's she especially the scenes where she's arguing or or I think she does a lot of non-verbal acting in this, which is really good because there's a you know the camera's on her a lot of the time in terms of how she's reacting to either Daniel or Mrs. Doubtfire or the kids, and and that's a lot to cover. And she she does it really well, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pierce Brosnan as Stuart Dunmire. I did not remember he was in this film. Me neither. Yeah, I didn't until I like started to think about the film, and I was like, oh god, Pierce Brosnan's in this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, and he's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is what the script yeah. has for him to do. I so. mean, he's perfect in the role. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you're like, I hate you. It's handsome, rich, white guy, yeah. and he is that all over. Yeah, I hate you so much. Uh, and finally, we've got the kids, Lisa Jacob, Matthew Lawrence, and Mara Wilson as Lydia, Chris, and Natty, respectively. Yeah. I mean, really the only one anyone remembers is, is Mara Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's so cute. She is adorable. As usual. This must have been after Matilda. Uh, no, because no, no, I'm sure I saw Matilda in the cinema. Matilda was 97, I think, or 98. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she's pretty young in this movie. Oh, she's, yeah, way younger she's in this like than a, she is in Matilda. Almost a toddler. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
still good though. Like she's yeah. so good. Yeah, she's so cute. I mean, she well outshines the other two. Although, yeah. so in in order of preference, I liked Mara Wilson and then Lisa Jacob as Lydia and then Matthew Lawrence. I don't know how weird this is, but I think Matthew Lawrence, who plays Chris, is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> is that weird? No. Anytime he was on screen, I'm like. You're just not, uh, I hope puberty like does some good things for you. Well, he had that 90s boy hair. Yeah. Oh, the long the 90s, worst. like straggly hair. Early like 90s Sally boy Field's hair. hair, also terrible in this movie. Yeah. He almost looks like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes. But not like cute. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like, that, but like, the, the same hair. Yeah, the kids do a fine job. I think they don't have a lot of heavy lifting to do in this, really. Yeah. But, um, it is. It's weird that in a movie focused on how. I mean, it's, I guess it's, this movie is not so much about how kids react to a divorce as it is how parents treat their kids in a divorce. Yeah, I, I, they don't have as heavy lifting as much heavy lifting to do as you might expect they would. Yeah. So they do fine. That's pretty much all the important people in the film. Everyone else is kind of side, and it's not really any important actors unless anyone you thought stood out. No, no. that's it. Normally we talk about like set or costume or or like score here, but I think I want to talk about the makeup for Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, because it's the great Oscar yeah, winning so makeup. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tremendous. I love all of it. It's so good. Oh, look, all right, we should let's bring this up now because there are definitely parts of this film that are problematic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, we've got it. So in context, ninety three, obviously, well before like I guess the the rise of the internet and a more open discussion about on... how people can be different and yeah 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 there's there's jokes in the film which the point of the joke is haha it's a man in a dress and it's like okay well it's not great like even don't they have dude looks like a lady like yep. play at one point it's when not he's... the only one either they have yeah. luck be a lady yeah exactly so like even that is just like come on guys but um yeah, because that was a thing in the book yeah. like that I think the book did well is that it, it wasn't a joke. But also I think that's because culturally the difference is Madame Doubtfire is named after a pantomime character he played and pantomime dames are a thing. So it's, yeah. it's already like sort of culturally established that you see men dressed as women. He's an actor. He's done yeah. it before. His kids have seen him dress as, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in the movie, the it's like, look how the... hilarious this is that he did this. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that helps the book as well is that you don't see the characters, so it's left up to your imagination, and so there's less for them to play off. Like, oh, that's here's, a very look good at, point. It's, it's less look at this guy, and and they don't they can't really take stop and tell you to think about how this looks, and then make the joke based on that. You know. So. Yeah, I think also the problem for me with a few of the quote unquote jokes about it is the jokes. It wasn't even just, ha-ha, this is a guy in a dress, because the um, costume he was wearing was was so good because of, you know, what we've just talked about. So the jokes almost relied on you, that little bit of, like, that kind of assumption that trans people are trying to trick you. Right. There was a little bit of that. So that's the bit that, like, gets really upsetting because it's like, no, a trans person's not trying to trick you. They're just who they are and, like... But as we said, this was the early 90s. Um, I think that's overcome. Culture has moved on a lot since yeah. then. I think that may be slightly overcome in this by the fact that he, it, the point is literally that he has to deceive someone into thinking that he is, you know, this nanny character that he's come yeah. up with. And it's only like the character had to be a nanny 
And I mean, like the other the other parts that said whether she's Scottish or, or large or whatever, but you know, he had to make himself look different, and that doesn't excuse any parts because there are definitely parts of this script uh, peppered throughout that are transphobic. But I think it's it's slightly overcome, or, or at least slightly mollified, maybe by the fact that that is what the the plot is calling for. I don't know how much of it that is, but it's worth adding to the mix. Yeah, I think we're going to talk uh, more about this as we go through the plot. So let's dive right in. So we the the, the first difference uh, is basically in the very first scene of the film. So Daniel is a voice actor in this as opposed to a stage slash screen actor in yeah. the book. Uh, yeah, I I, I kind of like the setup for that. Like I like that because he, he quits this job. Like as he, as he, I like that he's going off script and everything. They, even in this very early scene, they do a lot to establish that irresponsibility that he has. Yeah, and kind of. Sh- nearsighted thinking uh, instead of a, a sort of a long-term thing. And I like that they play that up as we've already talked about, as opposed to him just being a jerk because literally the first scene in the book is him like aiming fake weapons at his wife or his, his ex wife. Yeah. And upsetting his children. Yeah. 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 Precisely. Uh, the other difference is obviously they're still married. Yeah. In the, set- in the setup for the movie. Um, what do you think about that choice to kind of have them start out married and go through all the divorce proceedings as opposed to the way that the book just jumps you straight into they are already um i suppose for a movie you need like a three-act structure or like most movies have a three-act structure whereas a book can be kind of more fluid so by adding the before during and after you're just you're just giving a another act to the film so it's I thought it was fine. So good screenwriting. Yeah I, yeah, I like it because I think the way that especially it sets up those court scenes at the the beginning and yeah. end of the film, I think they frame it uh, quite well. You know, they give that three-month period that he has to go. So so you have a, you have a rough time frame of what's yeah. going on. In the book, the nastiness had been kind of done through the courts, but it's like it's like an easy shorthand to be like, oh, yeah, they were being spiteful to each other in court about stuff like custody. Everybody kind of gets that people who are separating often do that uh chris so so daniel quits his thing and then throws this lavish birthday party for chris where he somehow i like i'm assuming he must be using her money because they must be stinking rich to hire all those animals but he's like basically turns their house and front lawn into a zoo yeah which is a little odd yeah. Although it's like, I, I say a zoo, like a farm scene, Yeah. because it's not like giraffes and hippos Also, and like, Chris is way too old for that. Yeah. Like They seem to be having a good time. That's what you do with a six-year-old, not like a, what is he, like 12? Yeah. 13 even? There's like a house party going on inside as <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah, so. but weird. Even though he's like the only adult there, there's like and there's like 30 kids, like no parent would drop their kids off there. No. Uh, so we get the basically the only appearance in this film from Mrs. Cheney who uh, sees the, the raucous party and decides to call Miranda while she's at work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why you got to be such a snitch? Yeah. Yeah, I like that character in the book. She was funny. We should talk about how in the book one of the things he's doing for money because he's an out-of-work actor is um, posing for life drawing classes and his wife, ex-wife finds out that he's doing this because their next-door neighbour goes to the life drawing class and brought home a, a, a painting of him naked and showed her husband who brought it over to his ex-wife to be like, look at this filth. <laughs> and also, it's a terrible painting. Yeah, it's also a terrible painting. The kids think it's really, really funny. <laughs> I love the, the snarkiness in the book. That was one thing I did miss, actually, of his like his plant jibes at, yeah. at, uh, at Mrs. Cheney. 
Yeah. But she's uh, very limited in her appearance time here. Apparently, uh, in some extended scenes, which were cut from the main film, she did get a bit more screen time later yeah. on. But uh, that's not to be here. And so uh, after Miranda gets home from uh, from work, and she's particularly unhappy to be disturbed, she arrives home to all this chaos, and they pull into the kitchen and have a pretty full-on argument. Yeah. Um, which is something I appreciate them actually fighting as opposed to being like, a couple of lines here and there that are thrown away and then be like, I want a divorce. Yeah. They they justify it with the performances. Yeah. And so that's it. They're off to court. But I think it's at the the court here. So there's this this first visit. And the, I like the judge. The guy who's playing the judge, I really like him because he seems very calm and considered. But Good qualities in a judge. Yep. <laughs> he uh, he basically gives Daniel this, uh, this ultimatum. He says, so you've got three months. If you can prove to me you've got a living arrangement and you've got a stable job, which are not things that he has at the time, then I will consider giving you joint custody as opposed to sole custody with visitation rights, which is what he's actually given at the time. Yeah. And this is very emotional. This is the, the first part where Robin Williams gets very emotional uh, about his kids. Yeah. It? Yeah. One of the caveats as well to this uh, agreement is that uh, they have to have a, a court-appointed person come and check in on his living arrangements twice a week. Yeah. Uh, which is going to lead to a, a very comedic scene later on. And then, so that's basically it. Uh, he They they split the family and he has to leave and it's very sad. Yeah. And he moves in with his brother? He's there for a very brief time yeah. for like a, a couple of days, I'm assuming, or yeah. weeks, and then gets his own place pretty pretty soon afterwards. So basically during, there's this, there's a scene where the kids are all kind of over for the first time and they they do a good job here of, of portraying their unhappiness at the situation. And so Miranda arrives early and drops them off late, as she does in the book. Yeah. Which is one of the most frustrating things because, like, she st- she is just a total, uh, like, frustrating, terrible person in the yeah. book. Deliberately being a bad person and doesn't really redeem herself in the choices she makes by the end of it. So Daniel, as she's leaving, he sees this, uh, this advert for a housekeeper that she's trying to get... Uh, to basically place him because she's at work a lot and now that she's a single parent, she needs someone to be at home when the kids get there. And so she has got this advert and he, I love this, he very sneakily grabs it and changes the numbers. Yeah. So that no one will get the correct number to call. Yeah. And then he proceeds to have, this is a good, mon- this is one of the good montages in this film where he proceeds to call as a variety of terrible characters. Yeah, he does that in the book as well. It's funny. Yeah, and yeah. I like that they took that idea from the book into yeah. the film. I always like seeing that, and I'll say it again and again, but it's, yeah. it's nice to see that they're adapting and honouring the source material. I like in the book as well, he's not only stolen her paper from her because he needs her to not see the ad, obviously. He's stolen her paper from her um, front lawn, he's also gone down to the corner shop where she would go to buy another paper and bought all the papers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was about to say, I liked that because they don't do that in the movie. Um, yeah. So it seems like a plot hole that she wouldn't have just checked the ad. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they thought ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's obviously like shortened here for the sake of timing and convenience and everything. And but, I suppose but... it's believable if she's had a few phone calls and then she hits on one that seems perfect why would she investigate? Yeah. But, um, True. yeah, because she's very busy. That's, like, the point of her character. Yeah. Yeah. And so Mrs. Doubtfire is created after uh, this final call. He gets the name not from a character he'd seen in a play, which is different. Uh, in, in the That's how it happens in the book. And in the movie, he sees this newspaper headline, which is, like, police doubtfire, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, Euphemia doubtfire. Euphemia. That's oh, such a great name. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he comes to meet the kids and they have this interview. Uh, again, this is another point of difference where I, it's, it's very well written at this point in the book. So this, this first meeting of, of Mrs. Doubtfire in quotes with the kids, because you can tell in the writing that Lydia and Chris know. Yeah. And obviously Natty doesn't. But she does. Chris Chris doesn't to begin with. Uh, Lydia drags him upstairs like, I'm sure Chris will uh, will come around to Mrs. Oh. Doubtfire. I'm going to go and talk to Chris in my room. Yeah. Because <laughs> Chris is like not noticing that it's their dad and Lydia's like, you idiot. <laughs> but doesn't Natty realise immediately? Yeah, and then she... she oh, then that's yeah. right. Then she goes on to But then she sort of like them. dissociates, yeah. 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 As soon, as soon as he comes into the house and puts her to bed, she's like, um, thanks, daddy. thanks, daddy. Yeah. Which I, is really cute. In the movie, they explained that she would just give it away, which you believe based on like Mara Wilson's adorable. Yeah. Cuteness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's more believable than a little kid that age being able to keep a secret like that. I mean, it is well explained in the book. Like she just sees Mrs. Doubtfire as Mrs. Doubtfire and her dad as her dad. And that. If the two ever cross, she's, like, really weirded out. It'd be so complicated to explain her dissociating those two people in film, though. Yeah. So it's, it's much easier just to be like, yes, we won't tell her yep. because she is a baby. Like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so begins the, uh, the the housekeeping of Mrs. Doubtfire. There's just, this is a lot of, like, little bits. Like, there's montages and this bit where she makes them do all the cleaning instead yeah. of the homework. And Miranda's very impressed. And so this is this takes up, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes or so of the film. There is a part here where, in a dip, while all this is going on, there's a lot of little bits that are just like comedy bits, basically. Yeah. So there's the, the scene at his home where he arrives home as Mrs. Doubtfire and the court-appointed person is there to see his new apartment and he invites her in and, and, and has to take off the costume, put on the costume and do it repeat like very, very often. And at first he was doing it, I was like, there's no way he's going to do that because it would take so long. Yeah. So it does stretch a bit of believability, but yeah. you, know, you go with it. Um, they definitely push this concept to its absolute limits, possibly beyond believability in places, but I don't know. It's done with so much like heart and like a wink at the audience. Yeah, like that it's carried. Like, yeah. So it doesn't really matter that it's a bit silly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yep. So there's lots of bits here with the kids and the, the, the you know they get taken out on occasions and stuff like that. There's there's no theater visit in this one. Yeah, that's a little too nuanced. I feel for film. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. She sets her boobs on fire. <laughs> yeah, learn, learns to cook. Yeah, I like that. That it's really well woven in very slowly that she, you know, through doing this that Daniel learns to cook and learns to clean. And he's sitting on his couch at home le- watching cooking videos so he can take that into his job and care for his kids. You know, like yeah. really gentle, the whole thing. It's not just like they say he's invested and so you're like, oh, well, is he really though? You believe it because they follow it up yeah. repeatedly. Whereas in the book, like we said, he kind of turns on a dime at the end. Yeah, he's just like, oh, my house is a mess. I guess I'll clean yeah. it. But like, yeah, like you said, he does make the kids clean the house at one point in the movie, but he then starts doing it himself and like starts learning the skills. Whereas Yeah, and he's not like sitting in the house drinking beer all day like he is in the book. Yeah, and like he's literally, while the kids are like putting putting clothes away and stuff, he's like sitting there smoking a cigar. He's not even helping them. Yeah. 
just stuff like that. I'm like, you're a horrible person. Like, it's not just the fact that you're arguing. Like, you can somewhat forgive, you know, if there's been a really acrimonious divorce and there's been mudslinging on both sides and everyone's been horrible to each other. You can kind of appreciate that maybe, like, the parents can't control themselves of saying horrible things in front of their children and they want their children on their side because they love them and they, they want their children to understand how they feel. So you can un- you can understand. I still don't think it makes it right. But, like, taking a job that you're being paid money for and then making your kids do the work while you sit there and smoke a cigar, I'm like, And then also when they call person. him out on it, he's like, oh, that money would just be going back to your child support anyway. Like... You're not going to send your kid into the office because you've got to pay their child support. Yeah, exactly. We get a lot of stew here uh, and their growing relationship, and I like that, that Daniel really sees him as a threat. Yeah. It just kind of introduces another layer to the story that they're weaving because there's it's there's this guy in the book, but it's never followed up on particularly. Yeah. And even Stu has a bit of like of depth to his character. He's not just guy who is there. Like they there's that scene where they're at the pool. And his friend is talking to him about how he hates, like, families with kids and he's talking about how he wants to, you know, oh, I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life, which kind of actually makes him seem like a douchebag. Yeah. But I get the feeling like that's more just evil. so that you side with, with Daniel. Yeah, like, <laughs> what a horrible person. Yeah. Why would you do that? I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. There's also lots of scenes here where Miranda, re- like, slowly reveals her feelings about her marriage and things like that. And this is one of a long line of, of things, of, of parts of this film, where Daniel, as Mrs. Doubtfire, is kind of hearing how he was a, a shitty partner and stuff like that. Yeah. Not not totally at fault, but but that he definitely was flawed. But then he's like, he's kind of trying to like coach her into being like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't, should never break up a marriage and, and all this sort of thing. And he's yeah. just like trying to, through this character, like push her to back towards him. Yeah. So this is part of the text both texts that's like pretty unforgivable like that's so manipulative i think even more so in the um in the books because they're already separated like i can see in the movie because of the way they've structured it it can sort of be him making like a last ditch attempt to save the marriage like i still think it's right but i feel like it's less blatantly horrible than when they're already separated and he's trying to be like oh well you know he was great though yeah. I feel like the book calls it out better than the movie does mm. because they have that big fight and she's like, how could you do this? That's you true, yeah. yeah. Literally, yeah. That was one of the things where I felt that the movie, so that the book followed up better than the film. Uh, finally, we, we kind of, so the, this leads into this dichotomy of, of him. He kind of gets himself in this catch-22 here where via by the virtue of this character, he becomes a, a viable replacement for himself yeah. as, as a father. Because Miranda now prefers Mrs. Doubtfire slightly to, well, more than slightly, I guess, to Daniel. Yeah. As an alternative. So, awkward. Yeah. Uh, and then he's discovered by Lydia and Chris in a very amusing scene. Yeah. Well, is it amusing or is it horrifying? Uh, I mean, I, I find his reaction a bit annoying. I, know, I think the image of him walking in on, on this character peeing upright and you'd be so shocked. Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the more transphobic moments in the movie. Just because they their immediate response is to attack him. Yeah, yeah, they attack him and call the police. I think are both over like overreactions. I think I think it's just that initial moment of the, him them both standing staring at each other as he's yeah. him standing upright. It's, it's, like, it's funny. Yeah, it it is it is like funny like it's bathroom humor. Isn't yeah, it? but like it's just that like worrying about what someone's 
pants area is that's yeah. just like <laughs> like why do we have to worry about this? It's funny believable though as especially back in the, in that day as kids that they would yeah. you know you don't that is no education on yeah, this sort of exactly. thing. There's, there's no yeah. reason why they would respond any way other than the way that they do. Yeah. So Lydia and Chris agree not to tell Natty because she will immediately like reveal that information to Miranda because she's only very small. Yeah. And then we start basically here setting up for the Bridges confrontation at the yeah. restaurant. So Daniel, we haven't mentioned, he has got a, a secure job now. He's working at like a TV station, just packaging film reels and sending them off to distributors and stuff like that. And he's kind of, he walks in on So there's, it's established that there's this old presenter who's very boring and bad at his job. And Daniel walking in on him is talking to this guy who he doesn't know is the owner of the station being like, oh, you know, why don't you, they could do this and this. And this guy's clearly a dinosaur. The TV owner agrees with him and is like, oh, it's me. I own this place. Why, you know, you think you'd, <laughs> you seem like you could do better. I wish you guys could have seen the little like, oh, it's me gesture that Adam did then. It was like, like he was presenting a car on a, on a watch on a like game show. <laughs> okay, <Lars. laughs> It's fair. <laughs> so the TV station owner gives him an appointment at seven o'clock on Friday night at Bridges restaurants to come and talk about his ideas and what he would change and, and why he'd be a good presenter. The TV station owner like walks in on him doing a very Robin Williams bit of voices of dinosaurs and stuff like that. But it's very amusing and, yeah. and heartwarming. And then simultaneously, very shortly after that, uh, as Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel runs into the problem that Miranda's birthday is happening and Stu wants to take them to Bridges on Friday night at seven o'clock. Oh yeah. no. What will he do? Yeah. So, like, obviously this is where the movie had to go and this is where the book went as well, where Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel have to be in the same place at the same time. You know, something I do like, though, is that the movie takes, like, a very small scene, it's, like, less than 45 seconds, to establish that he tries to reorganise the appointment, which is the logical thing to do. Yeah. He tries to get out of it instead of – where I don't think the book does that. Like, there's this life-drawing class – Wait, so yes, that's the equivalent in the book is that there's a yeah. life drawing class, class at where, home. Yeah, where yeah. Miranda wants him to be there to look after the kids while everything's going because it's being hosted in her house. Yeah. And at that point in the book, I was like, well, why would you not just reorganize one of the things? And there's no indication that they try to do so. Yeah. Whereas the movie's just like, okay, he did try to get out of the appointment. Can't do. Now we have to do the thing. Yeah, but I don't know. This kind of thing, like, I appreciate as a storytelling device, it has to happen. And it's a comedy. So this kind of like sliding doors is the wrong phrase but you know what I mean like just weird and wacky thing happening is is expected so he couldn't he couldn't move the appointment well the appointment's the more important one so just tell them that Miss Doubtfire can't go yeah. like just be like I literally cannot come I do I, <laughs> like, I it's agree like, it's like politeness and you know they, they put on like oh we have to have you there blah 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 I'm sorry, dear, it's my sister's birthday as well, and I have already made plans. Like, you you just... But also, as a chronic overscheduler and people pleaser, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I get it, and I think I... And I agree, there's definitely a bit of that in there, but I think that they do subvert that a little by... So there's that moment where Natty's like, please come, Mrs. Dab, and he, and he you, you already know how much he cares for his Yeah, kids. yeah, I know. I know it's not a total, like, yeah. solution, like, if... You know, you if you were really in that situation, you just you wouldn't you I wouldn't know, double book yourself. But you gotta go if with you, it. If it's... you're like, if everything depended on these two char- these two people not being in the same place at the same time, yeah, you I... just wouldn't allow it to happen. That's all I'm saying. Like, 
It's but he fine. has already. Uh, I, I, get, oh, I don't know. We, we don't need to argue this because I think we both agree anyway. Yeah. He has a thing. I, I think something else that, that I was like, okay, I guess he'd probably try and do that was the fact that he'd already done it once in the film. Yeah. Where, uh, back at the apartment. Yeah. Where that's he played fair. two characters so in set, one place. Yeah. They'd set up that he can pull, pull it off. Yeah. Which is good, good story building yeah. in terms of chronological progression. Yeah. All right. We're now at Bridges. Uh, he's flipping in and out. It's crazy. Things are happening. Yeah, he's, he's running getting, out of the bathroom. He's getting super drunk. Yeah, because <laughs> he's Christ getting he's got shot you. Yep. Uh, there's not. Yeah. Never forget. It's, it's, Never forget. It's, it's, it's attempted murder. There's more of this in the film than there is in the book, but I guess there's there's not a lot of reason to to prolong it in the book because it's like, well, it just needs to happen. Whereas in the film, the idea, the, the comedy is physical. Yeah. So uh, in, yeah, the, in the book, it's that. He has to be there as Mrs. Doubtfire to meet the guests. And then he says, oh, Daniel's already upstairs waiting or outside or having a smoke or whatever. Um, I'll get him. And then goes upstairs, undresses as Mrs. Doubtfire and then comes downstairs as Daniel. And then Miranda comes home. Early. And finds the pile of Mrs. Doubtfire's clothes. And she's like, what the hell? And then immediately pegs. And then they have like a huge argument about it, as you would. And then that's it. It's a whole scene of back and forth between Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel because yeah, been, and like going to the wrong table dresses the wrong person sitting down. Which, yeah, which is yeah. which is how. So he, he ends up at, at back at uh, the TV. He's meeting as Mrs. Thing, Doubtfire with, with lipstick for well, he does it first with with just the lipstick and the perfume. Yeah, and then he goes back and he's like he, he goes into the kitchen and, and trying to prank Stu by putting cayenne pepper on his his meal. Yeah, uh, is like okay. Uh, and, and does that by like just grabbing a chef coat. This is stretching believability where yeah. like no one notices yeah, exactly. him like, in a restaurant. People know who they work with. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, hello, random person just fiddling with people's food. Um, That's like the first thing that they look out for in a kitchen. But I believed he'd do it because he was drunk. Yeah. Yeah, so, so sends this thing out and heads back to the table with the TV station owner and he's like, uh, you're dressed as a woman. And he's like... And he realizes his mistake covers for it very well because he's like, meet the host of your new TV show. Yeah. Which is a smart yeah. thing to do. Yeah. And actually, probably, he probably should have thought of that from the outset. Yeah. And just come as Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. yeah. Although I guess maybe them, like, the family seeing him over there might have been a problem. I don't know. I guess. Uh, and then this happens. And as he's talking to the TV station owner, Stu starts choking on the, the cayenne pepper powder. Yeah. And so he has to rush over. No one else offers to help. No one closer. Yeah. The restaurant also, full he's of dressed jerks. as a little old lady. Yeah. Like there's not some big strong man there that can help. That's <laughs> a great parkour move though to jump over like a, a half ledge. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like vaults himself over. Vaults over it's very little funny. old lady. Yeah. Well, not little. Yeah. And, kind of uh, large old lady. And then there's there's. Uh, a prolonged scene of doing the Heimlich maneuver. Yeah. Which I didn't think was very funny. But, yeah. You know, they're already in the moment, so whatever. And in doing that, his face catches, as in like his, his prosthetic mask, and, uh, and everyone knows. And it's actually like a scene out of a horror movie for a few seconds, cause you're like, oh god, his face is coming off! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and everyone knows. It's yeah. Daniel. I do like Sally Field's line here of, the whole time? The whole time. The whole time. The whole time! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are different intonations. are very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. How how angry would you be on a scale of 1 to 10? So mad. <laughs> like 15. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it basically takes the next scene is like straight to well yeah it's like basically straight to court yeah um as you would be yep smash cut yeah. well it's it's a jump cut yeah the judge doesn't know if he's like emotionally balanced yeah basically right. so so he gives he gives this very moving speech because now he's acting as his own attorney yeah which is probably a good call because his attorney in the earlier scene didn't seem very good yeah but he he gives a very emotional and, and genuine speech. Like, it's very moving yeah. uh, about how much he wants to be with his kids. Yeah. Uh, and the judge, unfortunately, because he's been acting and deceiving people for the past three months, is like, well, I don't know if you're acting or not yeah. right now I in mean, this speech. I mean, that's, yeah. that's Which, fair. Oh, yeah. No, it's 100% fair. There's nothing wrong with what the judge says. And yeah. it's very unfortunate. Yeah. So full custody is awarded to Miranda with supervised visitation for uh, for... Daniel, which is even less than he had before. So yeah. he's very, he's very, he's clearly distraught in the, yeah. in the, the courtroom. And I like that they cut to Miranda as well, who's looking at him and is clearly conflicted uh, because obviously she's been deceived as he did a shitty thing to her. But she, she sent, she knows he's genuine is the difference. Yeah. Because she can tell when he's acting and when he's being genuine. He does actually, Daniel does get some good fortune here in that he does get the, the TV contract. Yeah. The least realistic bit of the film. <laughs> they, yeah, they do fail to show you the scene where he explains to his boss, "This is what was happening." Yeah, uh, and he gets it. He gets his, his own... boss seems kind of crazy, so yeah. I kind of buy it. I like him. Yeah, I like the boss. Uh, he and he gets his own TV show as yeah. with Madame Doubtfire as the, the character. The, yeah, it's, and it's a very nineties TV show. Yeah, uh, you know, with a, with a puppet and everything. Yeah. Miranda and the kids see uh, this show on television and, and, I don't know, I found her reaction to it a bit strange. She's like, oh, it's all good and happy and everything. And, yeah. And I think the, the, the primary motivating factor is the fact that her kids explicitly say, like, you know, we prefer Madame Doubtfire. Yeah. Or Mrs. Doubtfire. And so she goes to visit Daniel and uh, her, her heart has changed and she agrees to allow him, or she gives him the opportunity to come back and, and spend more time with the kids. Yeah. And give him a couple hours after, you know, schoolish time and sort of that sort of thing, which is yeah. nice of her. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a nice sort of... All right, so I, I, want, I do want to talk about this because this is the moment where I wasn't sure which direction the film was going to take because the scene where they talk to each other implies that she uh, wants Madame Doubtfire to come back because she's like, things were better, and he's like, what are you saying? And, and they cut, leave it there and you cut to, oh, the new babysitter's arriving. Who's it going to be? And I legitimately thought it was going to be Mrs. Doubtfire, if we, which would have changed my opinion on whether it was a good adaptation because I think that changes yes. the point of the book. Yeah. But they don't. It's Daniel who walks through the door, and I was very pleased. Yeah, so the message of the film is, like, family's important, you need to move past these things for the kids and blah, blah, blah. And I like, yeah. their, again, their explicit discussion that, you know, like, that they're focused on the kids. Yeah. You know, like, like wit, and I, I love – it's it's really honest and good dialogue. Like, it's yeah. great, great, great screenwriting because they say – it's going to take a long time for us to heal and to be able to reconcile what we did to each other. And, and, and they don't ever imply that it's ever going to be completely fixed, yeah. which is realistic because yeah. that's how people actually act. But, and, but then there's a cat and then they say, but for the kids, we need to make some changes ourselves so that we can make this work. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically where the film ends. Yeah. Oh, it, well, I, I, I should say there is this one last scene, uh, on Eugenia's house, the TV show where a kid has written in a letter about my parents are divorcing and Miranda's watching this on TV and it's very emotional and, and, and yeah. And very resonant obviously to their situation because 
is currently experiencing that. Yeah. But it's a it's a nice way to end the film. Yeah. I feel. Yeah, because originally the film ended with the parents getting back together. Um, Did it? But Robin Williams and Sally Field, I think, both had just gone through a divorce. So they were like, ah. no, no. Yeah, also that. that's such a bad message for a movie for kids because, like, yeah, exactly. That's that what is they not what you be. want to be telling kids no, who have that's a much, in a home with divorce. Like, yeah, that's a much better solution and yeah. a much better ending. Um, in the book, like we said, it's like they have the fight on the stairs about him deceiving her. Then he goes home, uses the last of his like money for that week to buy cleaning supplies, cleans his house or apartment, and then. Lydia turns up and she's still angry with him, but she's like, it's my time to be with you on Tuesdays, so I'm here. Miranda brings the other two round and says, yeah, they said they wanted to come. It is your day. And they kind of chat and have a cup of tea and, like, say, oh, we've we've really, like, not done well by each other and by the kids. And so Miranda's like, I'm going to be more flexible. Like, they can, I'm going away tomorrow anyway, so why don't they stay the night tonight and you can bring them back tomorrow night, like. I feel like this whole ending in the book is more ham-fisted yeah. than it should be. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, so it's like takes like 10 pages and all the endings get wrapped up. Yeah. And that's it. The end. The end. All right, people, thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm going to throw to you, Regan. For the book or the movie? Both. Both. Um, I'm going to thumbs up both, but okay. less of a thumbs up for the book. I'm going to – no, I'm going to thumbs down the book. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think it was something that a kid would be like, oh man, I want to, I love that. And I want to read it again and again, but I love the movie. And if you have even like very small kids, it's like worth showing them, showing it to them. Cause they'll, there's lots of physical humor in it and stuff. So they'll love it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm a little torn on the book. Like there were parts I liked, there were parts I didn't. I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle of the two of you. A, it's for kids. So did it do a good job of being a kid's book? And maybe. But B, would I read it again? Oh, no. And that's not to say it was a bad book. I just, it didn't enthrall me. On the other hand, though, the film is wonderful. It's a cult for a reason. Uh, And Robin Williams is sublime. So it's got a good emotional core. And for that, it's a thumbs up. Uh, Very quickly, what are you into outside of Mrs. Doubtfire in the last couple of weeks? Lois. Uh, I watched the first two available episodes of Star Trek Discovery. I really like them, but I've seen other people who really hated them. I love Star Trek. I pretty much like any Star Trek. I'm like, ah, it's Star Trek, and pretty much like my ability to be like critical like shuts down. Uh, Regan, um, I had a sick day from work yesterday, obviously, uh, and I marathoned all the available episodes of The Good Place, and I would highly oh. recommend it. Yeah, everyone's talking about it. Uh, Liam actually was telling me on my birthday that he had been watching it. It just continues to get better. Um, I would follow yeah. Mike Scher to the ends of the earth, honestly. All of his shows are amazing. And this did not disappoint. I'm going to recommend a video game, which is Destiny 2. Uh, it's the sequel to Destiny. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it's basically, it's kind of like Halo, but newer and different sort of setting story world. It's uh, also multiple uh, multiple player interactive. So, you know, you can all jump in and play the campaign. Uh, it's, it, the difficulty curve is pretty, is, is not too steep. So that's really nice for me, who is not someone who's good at shooters. 
And basically, I just like it because you can punch aliens and they die in like one hit. And that's it's just good to punch an alien every now and again. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, next time, we are reading and watching The Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, I'm probably going to cry the whole time. On the podcast? Maybe not on the podcast, <laughs> but probably reading and watching it because I know that it's really, really sad. You can find us and contact us on rereadthebook.gmail.com and on Twitter at readthebookpod and on other places. If you want to know where those places are, just hit me up on Twitter. Adam doesn't really use the Twitter. I'm but bad at Twitter. It's really hard to be bad at Twitter, but okay. Regan, tell us about Mystery Twins Detective Agency. I will. Uh, it is a podcast that comes out every Monday, um, which I co-host with Liam S. Smith, and we watch... Um, procedural crime drama fiction and try and solve the mystery before the show tells you who did it. It's great. Yeah, I love that. It's really funny. You can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and we'd like you to do that. It would mean a lot to us. Please. And also review us, please. It it just makes it so much easier for other people to find us. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. I am Dude Looks Like a Lady, Lois Mitchell. I'm Auntie Adam Heap. And I am too young to be trusted with a secret, Regan Lloyd. (laughs) We'll see you next time, folks. Bye. Bye. She gave you everything she had, but she was young and dumb. She just turned 21. She didn't care to hang Which was not his greatest cinematic outing. Yeah. I saw Patch Adams far too young because that's got some dark shit in it. Yeah, that's got some dark shit in it. Um, (laughs) I was maybe nine when I saw that. Probably shouldn't have seen it. (laughs) Mm, Um, Goodwill Hunting. like I only watched that this year. Oh, really? So good. Yeah, Is that the so one where good. he says good morning Vietnam? No, that's good morning Vietnam. Oh, okay. I don't know these movies. Oh my god, Adam. This is going to be <laughs> the blue prison. Oh no! No! <laughs>